0: this first session on Ephesians 1.15 and 16, what I want to do because of this phrase right here is step back and look at the entirety of 1.15 to 23, which is the content of Paul's prayer in relationship to what has gone before. Because I think for this reason, uh, functions in both directions. This happens several times. I looked up all these places where this Greek phrase A dia tuta occurs in Paul, and several times it refers this way and this way. And so I want to honor Paul's attempt to say, it's because of what's just gone before that I'm doing what I'm doing. So, Father, as we attempt to understand how Paul's prayer here in these next verses relates to that massive and glorious theology of verses 3 through 14, show us for our own souls how prayer relates to theology and to praise. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to the big picture, Ephesians 1, 15 to 19a, and I'll just try to give you the big structure as I read it. For this reason, Also I, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So that's the introduction. That's the impetus for this reason. And because of your faith and your love, and the ceaselessness of it. So, the impetus, where it comes from, and the nature of it, the ceaselessness of it. So, that's the beginning, a general statement of his prayer. And now comes the content of it that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, of God, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I'm going to stop right there because that's the summary of what he's asking for. He's asking that the eyes of their hearts be enlightened or that a spirit of wisdom and revelation be given. Why? All of it, that they might know God. He's praying that they might know God, and now he gets specific, and he wants to pray for three specific things that they would know about God, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness
1: of his power toward us who believe? The hope of his calling. The glory
0: of his inheritance. The power, the greatness of his power. All of that dimensions of knowing God. You know God by knowing his calling. You know God by knowing the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know God by the greatness of his power. So there is the summary of the details of what he wants them
1: to know about God. And then verses 19 to 23 unpack the power. He soars
0: Illustrating the power of God through the power of Christ, according to, so this this power that he's just referred to, this power accords with the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So we're talking about resurrection power, which is going to be very relevant when we get to chapter 2, verse 1, when he raises us from the dead spiritually. So that's where he's going and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All of that is illustrating the greatness of his power toward us who believe toward us. He's soaring with illustrations of what the power accords with here so that we will know what power is at work in us when he raised us from the dead spiritually and will complete the redemption at the last day. Now, let's ask how all of this prayer relates to chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Let's remind ourselves what we saw. God blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And the rest of this sentence, 3 through 14, unpacks these spiritual blessings. Number one, He chose us before the foundation of the world and gave us the destiny of being holy and blameless before Him in love. Or to be specific, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. All of it according to his good pleasure and all of it with this great goal to the praise of the glory of his grace. We have redemption through him, by his blood, through the blood of Christ. That means forgiveness of trespasses. He lavished this grace on us in wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will. It all accords with His purpose that He sets forth in Christ. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, again, predestined for it, all of it according to the purpose of Him who is working all things so that it infallibly comes to pass, and all of that to the praise.
1: Of his glory.
0: And when we heard the word of truth, believed in him, he sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit, secured with the down payment our inheritance, and will complete the redemption of the possession of it, all of it, to the praise of his glory. So, all of, the act, all of these acts of redemption here in all the verses 3 through 14 are clearly to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glorious grace. And the question Paul has as he turns to his prayer in verses 15 through 23 is, will they? Will they see the glory so that they can praise it?
1: And they won't unless they have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation
0: to know him. Unless the eyes of their hearts are opened to know him, they'll never see, we will never see the hope of his calling. We'll never see the glory of his inheritance. We'll never see the greatness of his power if we don't have these eyes, if we don't have this spirit of wisdom. And the only way we can have it is if God gives it, and therefore Paul prays for it, remembering you in my prayers. That's the connection, which means prayer, prayer for this. And he's praying for believers here. This and this, he's praying because they
1: won't see. Prayer to see the glory of 1, 3 through 14. So that praise
0: of glory happens from the heart. So prayer to illumine doctrine, to yield praise.